It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to another week of the PowerMizzou.com podcast. I'm Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty, also here. And Mitchell, a, a week that seems to have uh, taken some of the wind out of the sails of the argument that nothing good ever happens at Missouri, and it's always cloudy and rainy. Right, yeah, the uh, the cursed Mizzou had a had a pretty good week. <laughs> they, they won a they won a couple of basketball games. They got Kelly Bryant. Coach got extended. Yeah, uh, I, I would I would say probably without argument, from Tuesday at six o'clock to Wednesday at six o'clock would be the best twenty four hours Barry Odom has had as Missouri's head coach. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Um. So okay. So Tuesday night, obviously they get the news. Kelly Bryant is committing, literally sitting on press row, updating our story about him, which we had, in full disclosure, had written for a couple days just in case. Um, And then somebody said, oh, Jonathan Nance committed too. So Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be a coordinated attack on the part of those two. Yeah, absolutely. They were on their visits together. They uh, they seemed to have hit it off. So I suppose uh, we and we had we had heard that that Nance was. Uh, pretty certainly going to commit to Missouri for a while. So I think he and uh, he and Bryant had been on the same page there, which shows that uh, clearly Mizzou was the front runner for a little while there for Kelly Bryant. Yeah, and, and actually, and I'll have a story about this. I don't know whether the story will be up or the podcast will be up first. So Kelly Bryant has signed financial aid papers with Missouri. Missouri has filed them with the NCAA, uh, which means Missouri can comment on Kelly Bryant. What it does not necessarily 100% mean is that Kelly Bryant is playing for Missouri because you can only sign one LOI. A a letter of intent binds you to the school. Financial aid papers bind the school to you. Like if Kelly Bryant shows up on campus, they have to pay for his school. Mm -hmm. He doesn't necessarily have to show up on campus, but he will. I'm not trying to get anybody panicked, but theoretically he could sign financial aid papers with every school in the country and go wherever he would like. I didn't know that. That's a. Uh, I mean, I should have done that back in my college athlete days. Just really keep people guessing. Well, nobody. Here's the thing. Nobody should ever sign a letter of intent. Right. Yeah. There is no the, advantage to the to the athlete to do it. Yeah. I mean, it would make coaches' lives way worse. That'd be terrible. But. It, they get paid a lot. <laughs> That's it, true. But no, look. If you are most kid, like most kids, if they say, "Yeah, coach, I'm not signing an LOI," the coach is going to say, "Cool, we're going to go find somebody who will." Yeah. But if you're that elite-level kid, like if you're a top 100 recruit, I I would tell you not to sign a letter of intent. There's no advantage to it because what happens if you sign that in, say, February, and then in March your coach takes another job? Are you going to get out of it? Probably. But you're also really going to limit the number of people because people have to stop talking to you when you sign an LOI. If right. you don't do that, you can continue to talk to everybody. Yeah, we, that's, that is interesting. So yeah, I, I didn't even know that. I'm learning new things. Hopefully you all are too. <laughs> all right. You learn something every day. So I I, yeah, I don't know where to go. I mean, let's let's kind of start with this. Um, how many Heismans will Kelly Bryant win next year? <laughs> Just one uh, or multiple? I mean, I'm guessing probably I'd take the under on yeah. one. Uh, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I think <clears throat> I, I, Mizzou fans should absolutely be excited. Mm-hmm. I mean, for one thing, you beat out kind of everyone in the country who needed a quarterback for this kid. Like, you know, I remember when he, you know, announced he was going to transfer and 
people on our message board said Missouri should go get him. We were like, I mean, yeah, maybe. Sure. Well, they can try, but right. they're not going to. <laughs> Missouri should did. also so, sign the top 10 kids in the country next right, year. Right, right, right. So, I mean, like, it's it's a huge deal from that perspective. I think Kelly Bryant's a good player. He's not, you know, the type of player who's going to carry a team to a national title by himself. He's not going to win the Heisman. I mean, you know, he, he is transferring because he lost his job. He lost his job to a really good quarterback, but still. Uh, I think he could fit in really well with this offense, and I think, you know, it's it's a fun PR boost. But I, I do think some people maybe have gotten their expectations a little too high. But we'll see. I mean, like, they're certainly the team's in a way better position now than they were a week ago, and they have the advantage of knowing who their quarterback's going to be going into the spring so they have a good while to, you know, as much time or more as they had last year with Dooley and Locke to get last year's offense figured out. And my expectations now are nine wins or more. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think that's fair based on – Part of that is, does Albert O come back? I, mm-hmm. yeah. I think he will. I would assume I think he so. should. Yeah. Let me say I think he should more than I think he will. Yeah, I mean, there's quite a few question marks with him. One being his health, which uh, there's some, you know, been some rumors <laughs> swirling there around out there. There still are questions about yeah. that because I assume he's still day to day. Right, right. As as are we all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that would certainly be a big piece uh, to add. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, they they have they have a ton of offense coming back. Really, just losing. Drew Locke, who obviously they replaced in a couple offensive linemen in Emmanuel Hall. So, yeah, I would expect the offense to be really good. Um, the schedules, it's not too terribly difficult. Um, I mean, no one expects them to beat Georgia. I don't think if you do, you should reconsider. But uh, yeah. but other than that, every game's is winnable. So, yeah, definitely. Uh, certainly you're going to lose some you don't expect to in college football. But uh, I think nine wins is, is right about where I'd put it to. And we are trying to get a hold of Kelly Bryant. Um, Apparently, his phone is broken. This is more common among football recruits than any other subset of the American population, phone problems. Um, But we're trying to get a hold of him. At some point, hopefully we will. um, You know, we we are going to have some comments from Missouri on Bryant later in the day on the site. Um, We were going to – we tried to get Jonathan Nance on the podcast. didn't work out. But, frankly, there's enough news. Like, we skipped a guest this week. We'll talk to the the president of the Liberty Bowl next week. Uh, I think next year now, the guy most in the microscope for me is Derek Dooley. Mm -hmm. He'd never been an OC before. He did a good job here. But he also was handed a lot of pieces. So, next year is – a lot of different pieces and most specifically a quarterback that is very different from the one you just had next year's offense is going to have to look quite a bit different if it's going to be successful than this year's offense did so I think next year is almost uh, okay this year was good but now we find out a lot more about Derek Dooley as an offensive coordinator yeah let me just say first of all uh, there was a ton of criticism or skepticism, I should say, at least when, when he was hired. No, I would say criticism. Uh, yeah. I'd say that's accurate. Um, I mean, even on a national level, um, people like Derek Dooley, what, why? Uh, so, and he did a really good job, I thought. Um, I mean, there was, there, you can always go back and find specific plays and, and, you know, second half of the Kentucky game, et cetera, et cetera. But I thought he did a really good job. But, yes, I mean, like, he didn't have to change too too much from the offense that right. that Josh Heupel left. That offense isn't going to work with Kelly Bryant as your quarterback. You're not going to spread the field and throw, you know, deep balls 20 times a game. Uh, you know, they're they're going to have to use Kelly Bryant's running ability and and they started to kind of phase the the read option into the into the game this season. I expect we'll see more of that. Um, so so yeah, I, I agree. It'll be interesting to see you know what he can kind of come up with. And uh, I think I like. I don't know Derek Dooley personally, but like I, my sense is that he would enjoy this type of challenge. I feel yeah. like this is kind of thing most offense coordinators would like. Like, okay, you know, once again, he has good pieces, but he has to change things. It's kind of like a fun, like a uh, little test. 
And the last three years, I feel like Missouri has passed to set up the run. Mm -hmm. This will be more of an offense that runs to set up the pass. And I think, like, Georgia and Alabama turn out running backs like absolute factories. Yeah. So I'm not sure that Missouri's running backs are on that level. But I think as a running game, I think Missouri can be as any, as good as anybody. In the, like, it won't shock me if Missouri leads the SEC in rushing next year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, they they don't have the, the string of five-star backs like Georgia and Alabama. But, I mean, this staff has shown that the guys they've brought in so far have been really good. I mean, Moray Crockett, Larry Roundtree, Tyler Beatty, and even Simi Bakari all – playing as true freshmen, all playing well as true freshmen and continuing that. And then, you know, the, they, there's definitely some hints that, that Anthony Watkins out of Texas could be a, could be a player. They're bringing in Glover Cook as well. Um, as so, of now. As of now, yeah. So, I mean, like, yeah, they'll, they'll have depth and they'll have some talented uh, talented guys, that, like, you know, enough to that they can run the ball out without tiring everyone out because they have enough guys. So, yeah, I mean, like you said, not not necessarily the, the run of five stars, but clearly, you know, proven guys and enough, and enough depth that that should be – definitely the focal point of the offense Tyler Beatty one of uh, two guys on the SEC all freshman team I think the SEC is the only league that does this I don't <laughs> know I've never seen it anywhere else but Tyler Beatty and Daniel Parker Jr. made the all freshman team I didn't look at the receivers like I know there's a lot of really good freshman receivers I thought Jalen Knox maybe could have made it but there are some guys in this league yeah I know Jalen Waddle from Alabama is a freshman mm -hmm. I know he was the freshman of the year that's the extent of the rest of the freshman team that I know I didn't really yeah. pay that I just kind of scanned for Mizzou guys like you said I it's not really something I generally pay attention to but yeah um you know Mizzou has a has a history of uh of, of playing true freshmen if they're ready to contribute I'm sure that that will not change going forward so then uh fast forward to Wednesday and Barry Odom as we've expected for a couple weeks agrees to a contract technically an extension honestly it's almost a whole new contract mm -hmm. 3.05 million guaranteed through 2024 and then an incentive package that adds up to 1.85 so he could make as much as 4.9 and a I think creative contract is the best word like Missouri doesn't have enough money I think to just say we're paying you 4.25 million dollars mm -hmm. but there are reachable incentives in that contract for him to make four million dollars next year yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually found it pretty interesting. I do not have much experience looking through coaching contracts, so I don't know if this is the norm, but it didn't really seem to be. A, it's it's a, not quite Randy Edsel at Connecticut Creative where he gets right. like an incentive for a first down but, yeah. <laughs> or getting a defensive stop, which UConn oh, never did. Although, frankly, um, <laughs> getting a first down was fairly difficult for UConn. Yeah. yeah. No, but, yeah, there's a lot of incentives. Like, you know, being every week the team is ranked in, in the top 25, he can get money. You know, Just by making a bowl game, he gets $150,000, which really he should do pretty much every year. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it is – it is interesting, and and it also, uh, you know, I'm sure we we're going to get dizzy. It keeps the buyout relatively low. I mean, right now, because they added a couple years on the onto the uh, end of the contract, and it pays through the end of the contract, the buyout would be about three million, but it would go down assuming he doesn't uh, trigger the automatic extension. So it's it is creative, and it's a way that you know an athletic department that was running in a deficit can kind of, you know, pay pay you for for your good years and then you know not have to pay as much if it starts going if off. it doesn't work right, right. Now, i want to talk about that more in a minute but the the incentive that this was similar to conzo martin's contract which right. basically had a deal because he made the ncaa tournament last year missouri now cannot fire him for five years mm -hmm. without finding some creative reason to do it mm -hmm. and so if odom wins nine games 
In any year he wins nine games, a year is added to the end of con- the contract. So the upshot of this is if Barry Odom were to go nine and four every year, he has a lifetime contract at Missouri. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that and that would also like keep the buyout the same yeah. because it would add another deal to the contract. Yeah, which I've, I thought was interesting. Yeah, and nine wins to me. To me, nine is the right mark and that, for something like that. And that includes like the that. postseason, by the way. Yes. Yeah. So, a SEC title game, bowl game, whatever. But to me, that's the right mark for that because eight and four, like, yeah, that's a good year, but it's not necessarily a year I, I go crazy about. But you go nine and three at Missouri in the SEC, you deserve something for that. Absolutely. And he now gets something every year. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, the to me, this is a, a deal that it's it's fair on both sides. I, I don't think it's unfair to anybody, but I think it's more of a commitment than they've made without the rock-solid 100% long-term commitment that maybe some other schools have made to coaches. And, look, I, I actually understand that. Like, I bet Auburn wishes they didn't make that <laughs> rock-solid commitment right now to Gus Malzahn. If, yeah. if Jimbo Fisher is 5-7 and seven for a couple of years, Texas A&M is going to wish they hadn't made that commitment. It's a step without going quite all the way, I think. Yeah, and I think yeah, I agree. I think that's fine. Um, the only t- reason it could somehow come back to bottom is if they win 11 games right. or something next year and then some, someone with a large coffer comes calling and, and says, "We, I mean, that buyout's jump changed us, you know. Um, but, yeah, we'll see. I, uh, I, I think, I mean, I think, for generally speaking, coaches contracts are ridiculous. Yes. Um, you know, the, the Malzahn and Jimbo Fisher um, deals are the, the two that, that come to mind uh, with, you know, their 30 plus. I, I think Charlie Weiss is still us. getting paid by two schools. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like it, it I mean, Missouri knows it doesn't have it. It would never have the money to pay that kind of or the, the funds to pay that kind of money. So why put yourself in that position? So, yeah, I think I think it's a is a reasonable step of uh, of, of, you know, building some trust and, and committing to the guy. But, yeah, the only reason it could come back to, to backfire would be if, you know, something really crazy happens and back-to-back 10-win seasons or he wins 12 next year or something like that, and, and he really becomes a hotter commodity on the marketplace. So let's talk about that because that's what I was thinking about. I mean, we said, to me, 9 is should happen next year. Mm-hmm. 10 could happen. 11's not out of the question. Yep. So let's say he goes 10-2 and two next year. And there are schools looking for coaches, and Barry Odom's name starts to come up. To me, that's that's where it gets interesting. And look, this may never happen, but we got to fill some time. Like yeah, we're yeah. talking about <laughs> hypothetical crap here. So, so if this happens, and I don't have any reason to believe there's a bad relationship between Jim Stark and Barry Odom or anything like that. So I'm not trying to create that rumor. But I also think that there is a thought among Missouri fans that this is the only job Barry Odom ever wants, and he's always going to be here as long as they want him here. And I think you've got to be a little careful thinking that, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we talk about, like, you know, he he, get, he was getting paid last in the SEC. He should be paid for his results, which are higher. But really what your true creator of value is is what other teams will pay you. Right. Like, that is, that is really what drives a coach's va- uh, worth. And, you know, say, I don't know, I'm, I'm trying to think of it. Like, say Lincoln Riley gets hired exactly. somewhere and Oklahoma wants to hire him. And, the, you know, Barry Odom is obviously from Oklahoma. Uh, you know, they're going to be willing to pay a lot right. more. And that's going to be the point that Missouri will have to make that commitment right. if they want to. Yeah, and like you said, it's all hypothetical. But, yeah, so that that's – and if that happens, I mean, I figure they just, they'd probably have to just tear up his contract and come right. up with something entirely different. And, but maybe a little far-fetched. We'll see. I don't know. Right. Now, I want to be clear here, like – 
I don't believe there was ever anything to the Louisville stuff. Oh, yeah, no. I, I don't believe there was ever anything to the Colorado stuff that got floated a little bit, which they just hired Mel Tucker yesterday from Georgia. Uh, so, like, those type of jobs, those don't concern me. Barry mm-hmm. Odom's not leaving Missouri for those type of jobs. But it is the, you know, Oklahoma was the example that came to my mind. I, I'm trying to think of something. I mean, I I don't know, like, Kirk Ferentz has to retire at some point. Yeah. What if Barry Odom goes eleven and one next year and ten and two the year after that, and then Iowa? Like, this isn't the final step, mm-hmm. you know, but it is a step in the right direction. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, interesting times. So we'll finish up talking a little basketball. Um, they beat a UT Arlington team that it, <laughs> I, I was very happy that that game only took an hour and forty minutes because. UT Arlington does not make watching basketball a particularly <laughs> fun experience. Uh, but, like, fine win for Missouri. I'm not not trying to downgrade it at all. And this team now goes into Friday night against Oral Roberts. Like, that should be a win. I know mm-hmm. nothing about Oral Roberts, but Missouri should beat them. Uh, so next week, or two weeks from now, I guess, they get Xavier and Illinois in a stretch that I think kind of will define you could be anywhere from seven and five to nine and three in the non-conference because people look at Illinois and they're two and seven every loss is to a top 100 team and the way Illinois plays <laughs> scares the bejesus out of me yeah. with what Missouri's problems are yep Illinois can shoot the three and they create a lot of turnovers which uh yeah that's problematic because Missouri's not going <laughs> to score a lot of points lot of and they commit a ton of turnovers and I mean like you know I, I mean I don't think this is a huge factor in, in players' minds, but, like, every year that Mizzou loses to Illinois, I think it gets a little bit more pressure on the players, especially those guys from Illinois or who had committed to Illinois. So, yeah, no, that, that, uh, that'll that be interesting. I, I think those two games will kind of define maybe, like, I, I mean, I don't, Either way, I don't think this is a I tournament it, team. But I think it's it like, determines if you can get in the NIT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, and both games are pretty winnable. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Xavier lost their coach. They're they're not. I don't. I haven't watched them play, but I assume they're not they're nearly not as bad, good as but last they're year. Not what they they're not have been. number one yeah. seed material. And then Illinois, like you said, is two and seven. I actually watched some of their game last year, and they said it was the worst start for them in 111 years. So that's a long I'm time. Sure, our listeners will like to know that. Hey, uh, see, <laughs> that's the good thing about uh, being the Missouri basketball coach now. Like. The worst thing you're ever going to say is this is the worst year in three years. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> that's very true. So, yeah, I don't know. That stretch will be interesting. I, I was at the Central Florida game on Sunday, and, uh, yeah, so I, I just I had to say that Jordan Geist saying after the game that he has big kahunas was the greatest thing that's I, probably ever happened to me. I, what would have been better is if Jordan Geist would have come out and, and quoted Kim Anderson after that game because, yeah. like, look, I said this uh, on our message board. In doing what we do, I root for the guys that fans, like, don't like. Sure. You know, um, and so I want Jordan Geist to be, like, all SEC this year. He's yeah. by far my favorite player on the team <laughs> uh, just because he took so much more grief yeah. than he deserved last year. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, he was obviously put in a tough spot with, you know, all the, the point guards ahead of him on the roster transferring or getting kicked off the team. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, th- this keeps happening where the ball is in his hands at the end of games and, like, First of all, I just want to say that it was fairly miraculous that he made the shot because the play was oh, an absolute yeah. disaster on Sunday. Absolute disaster. And this keeps happening where, you know, if it's in his hands and the play is called for him to give it to someone else and that someone else never materializes, then everyone gets mad at him. It's like, right. well, like, I don't know. You would have been mad if he 
did like he did against Florida and threw it away. Right. It's like getting Um, mad at the left fielder who didn't catch a ball that was nine feet from the center fielder. Right. That's not his fault. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, I I was happy for him. I mean, like he is, like you said, he's taken a lot of, a lot of heat and, you know, it was, it was a fun moment. It was a good win. I mean, like, I think, I, I think, that should, you know, instill some confidence in the team. Central Florida is a pretty good team. They're, yeah. they're a tournament type team, and that they, they matched up well with Missouri because they don't score a lot of points. So Mizzou could do that thing where it goes eight minutes without scoring and still somehow I mean, be in the game. If you shut a team out for eight minutes, there should be no way you lose that. They should just game. call it just like a mercy rule, like in yeah. softball. Yeah, at that point, you guys haven't scored in so long that we're not giving you any more chances. <laughs> uh, we're done. So. There's that. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else? Oh, Bowl practice starts on Saturday. Bowl practices are generally terrible and hideous to watch, so we'll do that. (laughs) Yeah, we'll have some stories about some people on the football team. (laughs) Uh, Basketball we covered. There won't be be a whole lot going on during finals week, right, which is next week? Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, I I think next week uh, basketball doesn't play. Yeah. Football probably will. They might have one practice, but I'd be kind of surprised if they even did that, honestly. Um, So, But it it is very much now about, I I guess, less than two weeks from the early signing period. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is a – we'll kind of wrap up with this. This will be an interesting class because whatever Missouri's class is ranked, I would add 10 spots to it because Kelly Bryant is not going to count and neither yeah. is Jonathan Nance. Yeah, exactly. Those guys don't have, you know, star ratings or whatever. And, you know, people, people like to, to freak out about the recruiting rankings. But, like, I think <clears throat> the staff hit on a fair amount of its early targets. Yeah. They got Jelani Williams. That was a big get. Uh, they actually – I, I kind of – I like their whole secondary class. They got – yeah, they've got back there. three of like the top fifty safeties in the country. Yeah, so uh, so yeah, I I certainly wouldn't advocate freaking out about the rankings. I'm sure some people will anyway. Um, but like you said, you, Kelly Bryan is is the biggest, easily the biggest recruit that Barry Odom has landed, and the biggest Mizzou has probably since DGB. Yeah, and, and I don't think there's any really like quote unquote big targets left out there. I mean, like Jamie Petway <laughs> is a guy uh, that that they visited this week. Um, you know, there's a couple others, but uh, Christian Varner, but I don't think there's like some four-star or five-star well, kid that Missouri's waiting on. Ches- if, if they have a Chester shot at Chester Graves, Graves right? I don't know if they do, though. I mean, like everyone in the country wants him. And so. nobody is ever going to know if they do because, he doesn't I, so far as I know, Chester Graves, like I even he's in a person doesn't really talk. He, he's so. a mute. <laughs> yeah, so honestly, I fully believe Chester Graves is just going to sign with someone at some point, and that's the next thing anybody's going to know about. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, that's what's going on there. Like I said, we'll have the, the Liberty Bowl, I, I don't know, president or director or whatever on the podcast next week. Uh, maybe we can get Mike Gundy on the podcast. That'd be fun. That would be fun. I, I don't know. If we Maybe he'll write us take a, the a handwritten note in orange sharpie. <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah, maybe, we'll just make a bet with him right now. <laughs> I bet, I, Mike, I bet your team wins the Liberty Bowl. Oh, wow. All right. Well, there you go. Mitchell. <laughs> Please uh, write me a note. Laying it down. So, all right. Uh, that's it uh, this week on the podcast. A lot of stuff happened. We've we've got a lot more coming up, a lot of recruiting stuff, bowl practice Saturday morning. Uh, but just wanted to kind of hit on a few things for you guys. So, thanks for listening. Be back next week.